Welcome to the Pursuit Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. We believe in being real about what the Bible says, simple in how we convey it, and intentional in how we pursue Him. Sort of been in the back seat of watching Pursuit and all this um, play out, so it's just truly an honor to be here. Uh, I'm so excited. Um, I love um, what is going on here. Um, it's truly an inspiration. Um, like Chase said, um, I was there kind of when this vision was sort of uh, manifesting in his heart. And so um, just to watch this whole thing play out, it's just truly amazing. Um, I've been super blessed um, through kind of just through my college experience and through what I've been able to be um, involved with, um, a few ministries here and there. And um, just so you guys know, um, this is the first ministry that I know exists that doesn't have um, adults running the show, to be frankly. And so uh, it's just truly, it, it's, it's inspiring um, for a lot of people. It's inspiring for our generation that you guys come here on a weekly basis and just are faithful to what God is, is doing. So um, seriously, I believe that a generation is going to be changed because of the people in this room. Um, and so it's just truly, truly amazing. Um, last week, we've been, we've been um, I know Chase gave a message, and we've been, we've been trying to get me to come here for a little bit now. Um, and so when we talked a few weeks ago, he was like, Mike, can you um, and your wife come up um, for the Valentine's Day um, and give a message? And, and unfortunately, it didn't work out. But I told Chase, I said, Chase, dude, this is a perfect opportunity because what better way to meet your future wife than when you're giving a Valentine's Day talk, right? Um, but unfortunately, um, that didn't work out. But if you are single in here, um, I know... Chase would, um, would love to. So if, you, if you're a note taker and you got a pen, um, his number is 334-695-4186. So um, just shoot him a message, shoot him a call. Um, I know he'd love to hear from you. Oh my gosh, I love Chase so much. I love you, bro. Oh man. <laughs> hey, but seriously, Pursue, um, I'm really, really excited to be here um, for, for a couple reasons. Um, I believe that the message that God has laid on my heart um, to uh, preach tonight and, and speak tonight is um, going to change the game for a lot of people because um, it's, it's changing the game for me. Um, I want to just say at the outset um, that nothing that I'm saying is something that I totally have grasped, okay? Uh, we're kind of in this journey together um, because, man, I believe that we're all <laughs> sinners in need of a Savior. And uh, this Jesus journey, we're all in it together. And so there's no, like, perfection that we've attained that qualifies us to be up here. I don't know if you know Chase. I know him. But he's not qualified to be up here any more than I'm qualified to be up here. Um, and so I just kind of want to just humbly say thank you um, just for tuning in. Um, for tonight's message, if it's okay with you guys, um, we're just going to kind of weave in and out of scriptures. We're going to be planted in Colossians chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, you can just go ahead and turn there. Um, so we're going to be centered there, and we're going to kind of uh, bounce around maybe through um, John, Ephesians. Um, we're going to hit Genesis a little bit. So I'm super pumped. I hope you guys are super pumped. Um, it's going to be such a fun night. Um, if you guys don't mind, I'm just going to pray for us, and then we're going to hop right into Colossians chapter 1. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we love you so much. We are so thankful um, just for the opportunity uh, to kind of just gather in your presence, God. It, this doesn't happen very frequently. Um, most of us maybe attend church um, a couple times a month. And so um, I don't take this time for granted. Um, and I hope 
um, that um, all of us don't either, God. So, um, God, we just surrender to whatever that you have for us tonight. Uh, we believe that you're here. Uh, we believe that you're a part of this ministry. And, and God, when um, more than two are gathered, God, your spirit is here. So we believe that tonight. And we believe that the message that you have tonight, God, is going to change some hearts and some lives. So, um, God, we love you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 15 is where we're going to be, if I can get there. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things Hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Verse 21 it says, And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, Doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. So that's a mouthful, right? There's a lot, there's a lot going on there. There's, not, there's a lot going on there. So just hang tight with me. We're going to sort of unpack this um, as we... Um, sort of uncover kind of what God is trying to tell us in this message. And so um, the first thing, there's three things that God's placed on my heart to talk to you tonight about. The first thing we're going to look at today is that everything flows from and for Jesus. Okay, everything flows from and for Jesus. We see here in Colossians chapter 1 that God, he is before all things and in him all things hold together. I want to say at the outset that look, God and Jesus, right? We know that there's a Trinity. We know that there's, there's, there's God, three persons in one, right? But the thing that I've had trouble in, in, in my faith journey is wrapping my head around is like, how is, okay, Jesus came in the flesh. Okay, that's awesome. That's great. Okay, that obviously happened. Okay, he lived a sinless life, died the death that we deserve. I get that. But what I've had a trouble comprehending is how God or how Jesus was with God at the beginning. Okay, and it blows my mind. But look, I just want to just pursue I want to understand this, and I want us to be on the same page here, is that we can all intellect ourselves out of anything. We can intellect ourselves out of anything. And so, thankfully, Christianity is not built on a feeling. It's based on faith, right? And it's based on what the truth of God is, okay? And so, I just want to say right here is that Jesus was with God in the beginning. Jesus was with God at the beginning, and when he came into this earth, what we're about to look at, that he's before all things, and that everything flows from him and for him, all things were created for him. It's a big deal. It's a really, really big deal. Here's how we're going to unpack this, okay? We're going to hop to Genesis 1, verse 3, okay? And this is what it says. We've got to understand who God is. We've got to understand who God is, is in his nature. And God said, verse, uh, verse 3, chapter, uh, Genesis 1, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. So this same God that breathed out light at the beginning of time, okay, is the same God that sent his son in the flesh to be the light of the world, okay? John chapter 1, verse 1, 
echoes this creation story. It says, in beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was in the beginning with God. Get this, all things were made through him, and without him, not anything was not made that was in him. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Big deal here, guys. Big, big deal, okay? Jesus is echoing, or John's echoing the creation story and proclaiming that Jesus was with God at the beginning, okay? You see, at the beginning of time, okay, it says this in, in Genesis 1, you need to go read it, okay? That the earth was formless and without void. And guess what God did? He entered light into the darkness of the depths of the earth, okay? And so as we see sort of in this, um, the Genesis story and God's story for humanity, this um, Adam and Eve obviously sinned, right? And there was this disconnect between God, okay? And then, so God's redemptive story, he uses Israel to um, show his glory, right? And out of Israel came the birth of Jesus, right? And so what we see here, okay, Old Testament stuff, New Testament stuff, is that God's plan for his people is to bring them back to him, okay? And he's the God who brings light into dark places. And so here's what we see in John chapter 1, is that Jesus came to be the light of the light of the world because we in and of ourselves are formless and without void without him, without our Savior, right? Um, so we know this, um, that who God is. So it's important to know that how Jesus is before all things. It's important to know that he was, he's God, right? He's God. He's with God in the beginning, right? And so John 3, 16, okay, it's the right? It's the, it's, it's, the, it's the main theme of Christianity, right? Tim Tebow type stuff, right? This is what it says. It says, we're going to read um, up to verse 22. For God so loved the world, right, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son. Now, some people stop here, right? Jesus, right? For God so loved the world, he gave his only Son. That's, that's fantastic. That's what, that's what we're looking for, right? It's like, awesome, I'm saved, right? But no, look, look why. Look why. Verse 20, uh, for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out by God. So like, understand why Jesus came, right? He came so that we might be the light in the dark places, right? It's important. It's important. I don't know about you guys, um, but I imagine there's a few of us who have chosen darkness over the light of our Savior. Um, little backstory about me. I was, um, I sort of, I grew up in a Christian home, right? And um, I was, you know, I, I did that thing. I did the thing. I was, I was at the church retreats. I was doing, I was doing that stuff. I was even the, the chaplain, quote unquote, right, of my Christian high school, Christian-based high school. And so I was that guy that um, sort of would, would pray at maybe big events or was just kind of that guy there was like a, a, a ministry sort of similar to this that we led on campus and and um and it was great it was amazing right like I had this good you know reputation at least what I thought with with the teachers and the parents and that type of stuff um but I'll tell you what um 
inside I was lost and I was, and I was searching for things. I, I, I had this identity that um, was outside of really what God was trying to tell me. And so I, I put on this Christian front wherever I went because that's kind of the label that I had over me. And so when that label was stripped away, when I went to college, I felt like I had freedom. I felt like I had freedom. And so I got involved in, in the college scene, right? The parties, whatever, the, the, the people that I should not have been hanging out with. And it's because that I had this identity holding over me for so long that um, I felt like now that I didn't have that, I could be happy. And I could be happy. And so um, what I thought um, was the light was freedom, was not freedom. In fact, I was left um, empty and alone and, and, and dissatisfied. And it wasn't until um, I came to the realization that, oh my gosh, like I'm a mess. And God, I need you. It wasn't in that I truly surrendered everything to him. See, I believe that the moment you place your faith in Jesus, you are saved. And for me, that was in sixth grade. And so I believe that the moment that happens, God begins to work in you. He believes, he starts to work in you. No matter, and look, everybody's journey is different. It, like, that could be a week for you. It could be two days. Like, I don't know where you're at in your Jesus journey, but for me, man, it took a while. It took a while, right? Um, but see, look, I had failed to realize um, who I was in Jesus. My life, without being rooted in the Word, was chaotic. There was a lot going on. Um, but see, God's Word brings order to the chaos. That's why He came, right? That's why He came. Um, David Platt says this, okay? The modern gospel says that God loves you and has a plan for you. God loves you and has a plan for you. But look, the biblical gospel is that you are dead and radically independent on God to do something in you you and of yourself can't. The remedy is that you need Jesus to take over your life and to love the Lord your God with everything. Um, but we have to grasp what Colossians is trying to tell us. Verse 15, um, or verse 21, it says, um, And you were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, and he is reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. So look, we see here, right, um, that we are so radically dependent on God to do what we can't do because we were alienated. I don't know what, you, what alienated means to you, but it means like you can't get there. It means you can't get there. So Jesus Everything flowing from him and for him just means that, look, he's got you, right? He's got you. And so I love this, right? Jesus didn't come into existence when he was born of the Virgin Mary. That's what I thought for a while. No, see, Jesus was with God at the beginning of time, right? And he came in the flesh because that was God's plan. That was the way that God could redeem the dark places of the world, the dark places of our hearts. See, he was the agent of creation through whom God made heaven and earth. Jesus is not only the agent of creation, he is the goal of creation. For everything was created by him and for him. We read that. That is for his honor and praise. So pursuit, what I'm trying to wrap my head around, what I'm trying to wrap my head around, something that, I, to be honest, I'm wrestling with in my own life, is that if that verse is true, if that verse is true, um, then the goal of our existence is for Jesus. <laughs> right? The goal of our existence is for Jesus. So um, I don't know if we have any athletes in here um, or if even just in general in your daily walk, you, you might have 
talked about goals, you might have talked about purpose or anything like that. So real just kind of backstory on what, what those are. I think we all kind of have a firm grasp on it, but goals are what we do, right? Purpose is why we do what we do, okay? When you set a goal, we ask ourselves, why are we pursuing this goal? The answer to that question obviously reveals our purpose. This distinction between what we do and why we do what we do is an important one. If we can examine each goal we set in clear view of why we want to achieve it, then we can set goals that build toward our understanding of God's purpose for our lives rather than our own motives. If you know anything about the life of Paul, okay, Saul turned Paul, crucified Christians, and became the pioneer of the Christian faith. Okay? Um, his life blows my mind. Okay? He wrote the majority of the, of, the, of the New Testament. He endured unbelievable suffering for the glory of Christ. And we have to look at his life and say, how did he do that? Right? How did he do that? Um, Patrick Morley in his book, Man in the Mirror, I encourage you to read it. It's so good. And by the way, um, I, I've been so blessed by just um, some unbelievable um, authors and, and people who have um, kind of paved the way for what we do here. And so can we just get an amen that like there's what we're just standing on, the word of God, the truth that we learn from it, we're standing on people who have led the way before us. So I just want to kind of just point that out, that this, this, this isn't anything that I've like come up myself, okay? Um, this isn't anything that like, I'm like, oh my gosh, like he knows a lot. No, it's like, <laughs> it's like, man, there's, some, there's just some people who have paved the way. So Patrick Morley is one of those guys. Um, and he, he says this, uh, why did Paul not give up? Why did he endure such opposition? Um, and he says this, because he had tasted the kingdom of God and his righteousness which comes from having his spirit and knowing his purpose for his earthly life. He had known the exhilaration of Christ's power flowing through his weak, decaying, mortal body, and everything else by comparison seemed meaningless, hollow, and paltry. So this leads to my second point. Our position in Christ leads to our purpose. Our position in Christ leads to our purpose, or put more simply, our connection to Christ gives us our direction. Because how we answer the question, who am I, why do I exist, determines how we pursue our significance. Authentic, lasting significance is hid with Christ. We see that. John 15, 5, okay? John 15, 5 says this, I am the vine. Jesus is saying this, you are the branches. If you re remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we see in Colossians, right, everything was made by him and for him. That totally clarifies John 15, 5. Like, we can't do anything apart from God and what he's, what he's doing. Um, so he goes on to say, if we do ultimately find our significance in Christ, then we, will, then we will not survive the threshold between this world and the next. I don't know about you guys, but um, there's been plenty of times in my life where I've, I've, I've desired or, or seeked my own purpose, right? I think we all do it, right? Seek your own purpose. And so um, it's not until... I totally surrender to Christ that I feel like I have purpose. I'm going to be completely honest with you guys, right? It's not until I totally surrender to Christ. And here's why. It's because it's a, in Christ, it's a position that we occupy, right? It's a relationship with God. Not a thing to be found through fame, fortune, power. It's found through relationship. It's found through relationship. So I don't know, um, I don't know where, you're, where you're at in, in your faith journey, um, but I imagine some of us, if you're anything like I was um, when I was in college, um, you're probably struggling with your purpose. And you're probably struggling with, with why am I doing what I'm doing? 
I think we all reach points in our life, and, and, and even sometimes in my own walk, my own life, because completely honest, I don't have this all figured out, right? But there's some things in life that we're like, man, why, why are we doing this? Right? Why are we doing this? And it's not until um, we have our position in Christ that we find our purpose. And um, there's this unbelievable book. It's by um, Ted Decker. It's called The Forgotten Way. And he, and he, he, he points this picture, uh, he paints this picture perfectly. And I, I want to share it with you guys if you don't mind. Um, he says this, are you a dancer, a writer, a mother, a businessman, a truck driver, a teenager, a Christian? No, exclamation point. These are only roles you play. What you are is the daughter, the son of the father. Seeing that, now do whatever you do to be who you think you should be and do what you think you should do. I'm going to say that again. Now, seeing that, now do whatever you do as that daughter or son until you embrace your true identity. You will always struggle in vain to be who you think you should be and do what you think you should do. He goes on to say that when you grasp the length, the depth, and the breadth of Jesus' love and power, which surpasses all knowledge, your worries will vanish. You could choose to be enslaved by the system of the world or you could place your belief in Jesus because you recognize yourself as the son, the daughter of the father in his realm. Unbelievable. Such a, such a profound truth that I think um, we miss that. We miss that. Um, I had the... Um, Unbelievable privilege. Um, Chase, Chase alluded to it, but um, I got to live out my dream um, as, as a college athlete from my dream school. And um, I, I, it, was, it was everything I could have imagined. Um, it, you know, the, just the, the teammates, um, the, the games, the, all that type of stuff. And, but being a walk-on, I don't know if you, if you guys are familiar, you don't really see a lot of playing time. Right. You don't you, you don't see a lot of minutes. You don't get a lot of glory. And, um, you know, my role was really just to just to be the best teammate that I could be. Right. But there are some there are some times in a season where um, maybe you're up by 20 points in game or down by 20 points. Generally, we were up by 20 points. Um, but there would be a moment about like five minutes to go in the game. And you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm about to get in. Right. I'm about to get in. And so, like, that's when the nerves would kind of go. You're like, OK, like. Got to get ready. And like, look, go, getting into the game when you've been sitting for like two hours, it's no small feat, right? Like, not at all, right? You're, you're like, you're tight. Like, man, you're kind of hungry, right? You ate like six hours ago. And so, um, so it, it's, not, it's tough, right? Well, um, you know, I'd been in that situation a lot, so I kind of knew how to prep myself and that type of stuff. But towards the end of my senior year, um, I would just, honestly, before the, the final timeout, the, the media timeout at the end, I would run back to the locker room. I would run back to the locker room and I'd open up my Bible and I would just read Ephesians 3.20. I would just read Ephesians 3.20. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we might ask or think, right? Because of the power at work within us, um, he will do abundantly more. And it was just like this, I needed that at that moment. I needed that at that moment. And so like, I would just kind of just like, it was like 30 seconds, and I just was like, okay, God, like, I can't do this on my own, right? Like, I just can't. And so I understood, even though I didn't realize at the time, that I needed to come under the fountainhead of his grace in order to do what I could not do in and of myself. And so, um, I, you know, I'd get in the game, and, and this isn't on my own doing or anything like that, but the last three games that I played, I got to hit um, a three-point shot at the end of the game with, like, two minutes left. And it was, it was this thing that, like, 
Honestly, I felt God's presence in those moments. I felt God's presence in those moments. And, and I'm not saying that to say that like I did that every time. Plenty of times you'd get in the game and like nothing would really happen. You know, you just kind of would just run up and down the court, like, you know, pass the ball around. Like it's not anything like that. But look, it's, it's the realization about who I was in Jesus is what gave me confidence. Right? It's the realization of who I was in Jesus that gave me confidence. Um, Pursuit, what are you stressing over? Do you know that, the, that God wants a personal relationship with you? Our deepest desire is to know a love that holds no record of wrong. I'm going to say that again. Our deepest desire is a love that holds no record of wrong. And I just want to ask, have you experienced that love? Have you experienced that love? Um, so knowing our position in Christ as a son and daughter is what gives us our purpose, not the, what the world tells us we are. John 1, 12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave the right to become children of God. Look, I, I, we said it before, you can intellect yourself out of anything. You can intellect yourself out of that really, really quick. I don't know if you've been in a conversation with somebody where, um, like, they ask you a question and it just, like, totally throws your faith down the drain, <laughs> right? They're like, hey, man, like, why does God um, let bad things happen to good people? And you're just like, bro, I don't know. <laughs> like, it's really, I don't know. You know what I mean? Or like, well, um, where did dinosaurs come from? And you're just like, dude, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't get that. But this leads to... Um, my third uh, point, in Jesus, this is, this is big, this is big. I've been wrestling with this for, for a long time. Um, I recently read, read a, a book that kind of expounds on this, and it's just like kind of wrecked me. In Jesus, suffering leads to freedom. <laughs> right? Okay, in Jesus... Suffering leads to freedom, okay? Nowhere else does that make sense. <laughs> Nowhere else does that make sense. See, look, we're told that to find freedom, you got to do what makes you happy, right? You got to do what makes you happy. Um, but Colossians 1:19, what we read, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Making peace. Like, just that last part. Making peace by the blood of his cross. Where else does peace come from? You know what I mean? Like, peace, like, like everywhere else that I've looked, peace comes from prosperity. Peace comes from um, you know, price tags, peace comes from, um, you, know, you know, long vacations and a great job, high paying stuff, right? But no, like, Jesus <laughs> made peace by dying on a cross. Like, Joby Martin, um, one of my favorite preachers, he said it this way, the gospel is the remedy to alienation and doing evil deeds. When we surrender our souls to Jesus, we are no longer alienated, but adopted into his family. But there could not be adoption if there was not a purchase or a sacrifice. Pursuit, we were, every single one of us in here, we were adopted as children of God. Because we were purchased 
on the cross. We were adopted into God's family because we were purchased on a cross. It's mind-blowing. In pursuit, the closer that I get to Jesus, the closer that any of us get to Jesus, the more exposed our sin is. And the more exposed we realize we need a Savior. Right? We need a Savior because the fact of the matter is that sinning against a holy and perfect God isn't just something that's a, that's a bad look. Right? It's not something that it's like, oh man, like, oh, you'll get it next time. Right? You'll get it next time. No, it's something that deserves death. Right? Thankfully, Jesus came to die the death that each of us deserve. It's beautiful. It hurts, but it's amazing. Right? Like, I don't know if any of you guys have suffered on a cross before, but it hurts. Right? He was up on his pierced hands, and he died for each of us and paid the penalty that we deserve. I don't know what um, you guys are, are going through right now, but I imagine that your sin hurts, that you just don't know it. Right? You're going through some things that you're like, man, this hurts, but I keep doing it. It's because you haven't been too exposed to God's plan and God's purpose. And here's the thing. The fact of the matter is that God died for that. <laughs> right? God died for that. It's amazing. So here's the crazy truth of the gospel that I've been wrestling with. Is that the paradox of the cross of Christ is that suffering leads to freedom. And it's everywhere. And it's everywhere. And, and, and here's why I say that. Here's what I mean. Is because in Christ, real simple, suffering for your test leads to a better grade, right? Suffering for your friendships leads to lasting community. Suffering for your sport leads to playing with the pleasure that God designed it to be. Suffering in ministry, what we're doing here in pursuit is leading to people finding freedom in life in Christ, right? Suffering leads to freedom, and that only happens when we're connected to Jesus. But here's the, the complicated truth that each and every single one of us are wrestling with. It's that we're all facing storms. It's, it's that we're all going through hard stuff, and it's, and it's that, like, man, that thing, that truth, that doesn't make sense. Like, like I don't... I don't get that. I know Jesus died. That's 2,000 years ago, but how does that apply today? Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to His purpose. For those who He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom He predestined, He also called. And those whom He called, He also justified. And those whom He justified... He also glorified. So here's the truth pursuit. Here's what we find in Romans 8, 28. God allows storms in our life so that we might be conformed into the image of his son. Say that again. God allows storms in our life so that we might be conformed to the image of his son. Jesus satisfies the law of God and the wrath of God all at the same time, right? The law was given through Abraham, through Moses, right? Like the law of what we had to get to to get to God, Right? He satisfies that by living the perfect life and he satisfies the wrath, the wrath of God at the same time by paying the penalty for our sins. It's unbelievable. So pursue God is not angry at you if you are in Christ Jesus. God is not angry at you if you are in Christ Jesus. And like, like even that, like, it's like, what do you mean? You know what I mean? Like, I, I sinned against a holy God. But here's, here's the thing, pursuit. Um, is that um, this truth right here in Colossians, 
the fact of the matter is we talked about it like we are and I don't want to offend anybody but I kind of want to that we're all wretched black hearted sinners like we're all like we're in desperate need of someone to save us right but check out Colossians 1 right um Verse, uh, verse 22, it says, He has now reconciled his body of the flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So look, pursuit, wretched, black-hearted sinner is past tense. It's who we once were. Holy, blameless, above reproach is present tense. It's who we are right now. It's who we are when we take up that position in Christ and align ourselves with him, abide our hearts in him. We're holy, blameless, and above reproach. So you're seeing yourself, you and I, we're seeing ourselves the way that, that we see ourselves. But God doesn't see ourselves the way that we see ourselves. He sees what God, what Jesus did for us on the cross. He sees perfection. He sees holiness, right? It's unbelievable. Um, God looks at your deepest, darkest moments. He sees deep down in the shame and condemnation the fear and the filth and the problems in your life. He sees the worst moments of you. And in those deep, dark moments, he chooses you. He chooses you. All the filth, all the grime, it says, I'm going to pay for you. I'm going to adopt you as my very own. Um, ben, if you, if you don't mind, you guys can come back up. Um, I, I want to end on, on um, this story. Um, I think it paints just the, just the story of the gospel um, beautifully. Um, when I was, um, I, I don't remember like a ton about my, uh, my childhood. I think we all have sort of memories that we kind of hold on to and, and, and all that type of stuff. But there's one memory that sticks out to me like, um, like a sore thumb. And it's, I was about five or six years old. And um, I was just hanging out on the patio uh, with my little brother at the time, who was maybe one or two. And um, my mom was in the kitchen. She was like cooking dinner or something like that. And there was a pool. We had a pool in our backyard. And, and there was a fence um, that um, was, you know, just kind of a fence that you, you kind of kept us from going in the pool, whatever. And um, so I was like, had my back turned to my little brother. And I was like playing with something, probably like toy trains or a puzzle or something like that. <laughs> and um, I... I turn around I heard I heard something splash I heard I heard something going on in the pool and I saw my little brother and he was in the water and he couldn't swim and I know that he had been in the in the in the pool there for for a couple minutes because he was about halfway from where you would enter the pool to the the ladder in the deep end and I, I saw him struggling to get his head out of water I love my little brother so I did what any brother would do. I went, and, I went and pulled him out of the water. Now, if this was maybe 10 years ago, it might not have been the same story. Um, no, I'm kidding. But um, I went and pulled him out of the water. And, and um, here's, here's, here's the point of the story is that some of you are drowning and you know it, but you keep breaking through the fences that God put up because you think you'll find satisfaction in the pool the world offers. You or I won't ever find satisfaction outside the design of God's plan. He put barriers in our life because he loves you and me. See, my brother was, he was crying out for help. And he could not do it on his own. He was two, right? He couldn't lift himself up. He didn't know what to do. And it's, 
I mean, it's kind of a scary thought. I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't been there at that moment, right? My mom was distracted, right? There, there wasn't any, anybody else who could help him, right? And I'm not calling myself to be a, a hero in this story, but I'm just saying that, like, that's what God did to us. God came and yanked us out of the water so that we might have breath, right? And so it's, 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 it's unbelievable. He saves us from the drowning and brings us back to life every single time. You just have to surrender to him. To begin the faith journey of Jesus, you admit you need help and say that you believe and God will do a miracle from the inside out. That you believe that somehow when Jesus died on the cross, that counted for me. When Jesus pushed up on his nail pairs feet and said, it is finished, that counted for me. I believe when Christ died on the cross, that counted for me. And in the moment you believe that, your life will be changed forever. <laughs> It'll be changed forever. But here's the other part of the story. I love my mom. My, I love my mom's death, and, and she um, she raised um, some some an incredible family. Um, but others of you are like my mom in this story. You see, you're so preoccupied preoccupied with your own self interest that you're failing to notice the ones you love are drowning just outside your reach. See, we are so preoccupied in in what we're doing in the present moment, right? Going to school, right? Just just kind of. Um, you know, doing our thing. Maybe we're on a sports team. Maybe we got some clubs that we're involved in, right? And we're so preoccupied in our own plan, our own purpose, that we're failing to see that there's some loved ones that need Jesus. You know what I mean? Like there's some, there's some people that are in our lives that like don't know Jesus, yet we're just turning a blind eye like, oh, we'll get that later. It's powerful, man. As followers of Jesus, we need to realize that we're all separated from Jesus because of our sin. Some of us get saved, myself included, and continue working for our salvation instead of telling people about the freedom we have in Jesus. So three things that we learned tonight, pursuit. In Jesus, we know that everything flows from him and for him. In Jesus, we know that our position leads to our purpose. And in Jesus, we know that suffering leads to freedom. Some of you tonight um, may have never experienced that freedom. And in just a, just a second, I'm just going to give you an opportunity to do that. It's not going to be weird. It's not going to be, I'm not, I'm not going to try to embarrass you. Um, but there's something about um, publicly acknowledging that God has done something in our heart. And so I don't know what you're going through. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure exactly but I imagine there's some people in here who may, maybe have never experienced that freedom that Jesus offers. And your heart's beating right now. You're like, man, this is like, what is going on? Like, I don't know what I came to tonight. Um, I'll tell you right now, pursuit's the safest place you can be. Pursuit's the safest place that you can be. College campus, man, college is crazy. There's so many temptations out there. Now look, I know y'all are in Troy, that y'all are like in the backwoods, you know what I mean? Like, this is like, <laughs> but look guys, college is crazy. And look, I'm telling you right now that the decisions that you make right now impact the rest of your life. They impacted mine, right? So in just a second, I'm just going to ask us all to, to close our eyes and bow our heads. And in that moment, if, this, if that's you and you just want to say, I, just, I surrender to Jesus, I'm just going to give you that opportunity. You're just going to raise your hand. It's not going to be anything crazy. Um, but why don't we just go ahead and do that right now. Pursuit, if you guys don't mind just bowing your heads, closing your eyes. Um, if that's you tonight, and your heart's pounding, this might be for you. If you're afraid of what others might think, this might be for you. 
The beautiful truth of the gospel is that suffering leads to freedom, and that also means embracing uncomfortableness. So if you're tired of living life on your own terms and feel like that you are drowning in what the world tells you you are, that you're a sinner in need of a savior, on the count of three, I just, I just want you to shoot up your hand. Just between you and God, just between you and God, nobody else, on the count of three. One, two, three. Raise them. Raise them. Amen. Amen. I see you. I see you. Amen. Amen. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, well, hey, with every head bowed and every eye still closed, I know, uh, I know Chase echoes this a lot, but pursuit is a family. And as a faith family, we don't let people walk to the cross alone. So I'm just going to ask that we all repeat this prayer as a glorious symphony of what God has done here tonight. So everyone together, Jesus, we love you. Thank you for rescuing us. Thank you for dying on the cross and dying the death that we deserved. Thank you for your forgiveness and freedom in you. We believe that you are Lord. We believe that you died and rose again. Jesus, we love you. Give us strength to live each day for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Hey, well, come on, pursue. let's stand, let's sing, and let's celebrate all that God has done here tonight. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. Help us spread the word by rating and sharing this podcast.